Um, just right quick, harvest time, okay? Going to be all month. Uh, we already know Luke's here, right? Yeah. And, and uh, guys, was that, was that blessed, guys? Yeah. Holy Spirit showed up. Proud of you. It's awesome uh, what we're doing. This week's going to be Luke. I'm going to announce right quick. Next week, Ty Barker, Pastor Ty, everybody knows him, right? Um, that's the ones that have been here. Most of us know him. And then Cammie Cantu the following week. And then after that, I believe it's back to Pastor Mark. Is that right, guys? Get that right. I think that's right. Okay, so we got a lot to look forward to. On harvest time, we do this every year, and we bring in people. But we always feel something special that's going on and what God's doing. And right now, like never before, amen, I can just feel such a powerful movement of God and raising up young people. And um, the blood of Jesus is enough, amen. Sing that song. It's so good. Um, as we do this, it's the year of the open door, and I, I'm going to just introduce Luke. Pastor Mark goes, you got to introduce Luke and t- say these things, because he recognized the call on Luke. We kind of all did when he was little, but he was playing drums here at 11, and we're <laughs> and it just has gone forward. He's been blessed and, and anointed and called, I think, since birth, obviously. God knows us before we're born. That's what the Word says, and him and Brooke have been uh, going to, they're, they're at uh, New Life, and he's worship leader there. They do three services there. So I'm bringing you up to speed. And there's just a ton going on. They're on a college tour right now going around and going to expand that, right, Luke? Going to continue to move into a lot of outreach ministry. That's where it's at. It's out there reaching people outside. So that's awesome. But, but in his case, they also, are you leading life group as well? Small group. That's what we yell. Small, they're, they're youth group leaders, small group leaders. And he started preaching, amen. And the anointing can go really fast with someone like him, and we all, I think, are experiencing that. But it's all, he's, he's such a humble young man. That's what I've always known about him. So quickly, I don't want to go any further without uh, until I introduce him. So let's give a warm HFC. He's really part of us. So hand clap for Luke Ward. Amen. Love you, Dad. I got two drinks coming up here with me today. Is that my breath? Or is it brushing against my shirt or something? I don't think so. We're good? Cool. Amen. Amen, amen. Open your Bibles with me this morning if you would. We're going to start in Revelations 3 today. I just want to thank you guys for having me here. Uh, it's such a blessing to um, come back here and be so welcome and um, just the, the amount of time that Brooke and I spent here just learning and growing and and, and developing our own faith, it's, it's been such a blessing to see, um, and we've gone all out in the, out in the real world per se, and then you kind of get, you kind of get spoiled on how much, how awesome your, your home church was, um, so I just wanted to just say all the, all the amazing things that, um, Pastor Mark does, um, in this place, he's an amazing leader, and just super blessed to have been led by him for, really my whole life. Um, yeah, open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to start in Revelations 3 today, then we're going to bounce around a little bit together. Uh, we're kicking off harvest time here at Harvest Fellowship Church. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark kind of talked about who the actual open door was, um, and that open door was Jesus if you were gone. Um, but today, uh, we're going to kind of talk about um, really what those open doors are in our lives, how do we fulfill the call for our lives, and what our real mission is with the opportunity that he gives us. 
Um, I had a plan and a goal coming into this to talk about some different things, but over the last week, God really put it on my heart to dive headfirst into what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, um, I was laying down last night, and I was like, God, it's just, it's just not where I want it to be. It's just not coming together. It's not making sense the way I want it to. Um, and so I'll tell off of myself at about 8 p.m. last night, I sat down and, and wrote and just studied and um, really dug into it and didn't really get to bed until about midnight working on this, working on this word. So I had it, had it completely done by about Thursday and then completely changed it last night. Um, so we're trusting in him today. But the theme of harvest time is open doors, like my dad said. Um, and really, that's kind of a prophetic word for, for this entire year if you've been here. Um, is that okay? I need to bring it up or something. I think it's just bouncing around. Cool. Um, really, that's the uh, theme um, of this year. It's like the prophetic word of this year is the open door of opportunity. Um, and those questions I want to set out to answer today, why, why does God open doors and what is our real mission with the opportunities that he gives us? Um, and we're going to start in Revelation 3, verse 7. He, he writes this, um, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, there are words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. You see at the beginning of this verse, he points out the key of David and references what, what we know to be a, an earthly steward in this historical time period. Um, the earthly steward was responsible for letting people into the house and letting people out of the house. And he was the only one that held the keys. And I thought that was really powerful because we talked about last week um, Jesus being the open door, right? He's the only one that holds the keys. And so he, who he says here, who holds the key of David, the key of David is our salvation, our entrance into everlasting life. And Jesus is the only one that holds that key of opportunity in our lives. And so that's how he introduces himself to the church of Philadelphia here. Um, he goes on to say in verse eight, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and not denied my name. To help kind of better understand what this means, we really need to dig into what the history of uh, this place called Philadelphia was. Um, so Philadelphia was founded by the Greeks specifically as what you, you might call a missionary city. Um, it was a missionary city. And so he, he, he talks, and Jesus, um, they wrote to seven different churches, and this was the only church that he talked about, this door of opportunity. So I was like, why? Why, why did that happen? Well, this was the only church that was a mission-based church. And it wasn't a mission city that was a mission for God. It was a mission city that was to spread the Greek language and culture. And so back in this time period, um, this city was strategically placed on this crossroads at the edge of Asia. And it was, it was founded by the Greeks to spread all of their culture into the lands. You see, while I was studying this, I was looking for context on how God gives us opportunities, like physical provisional opportunities about how he provides for us, right? Um, and do I have permission to tell off on myself today a little bit? I kind of got a little selfish. I was like, okay, God, uh, you're talking to these people and you're talking to the church of Philadelphia and you're telling them about how they should go and about how this door that you're opening for them is not really physical. Um, do I have permission to challenge you today as well? Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we, I, I, I open up, I think about the, the word or the open doors of opportunity, and I get a little selfish. I'm like, God, provide for me, right? I'm like, provide for me what I need, what my needs are. And, and you know, we serve a provisional God, but um, the deeds of the church 
where he says, I know your deeds, the deeds of the church of Philadelphia, it wasn't, um, it wasn't expanding the kids' ministry or, or getting new playground equipment or having enough to, to have a church luncheon after, after service. What it was about was spreading the word of God. Now, he wanted to provide for the church. The, he wanted to provide physical opportunities for the church to prosper, but he was also going to open the door for those around to be saved. You see, I believe what Jesus was saying here is that this church was called to be a light on the hill. This church was called to be a beacon of salvation. It wasn't necessarily about God's provision for the church because we know he's gonna provide for us, right? It says all over the Bible how he's gonna provide for us, but this open door of opportunity was for them to share the word. And I believe this directly parallels where we're at as, as a church, the big C church today. And just as Christians living in America, um, God placed us in this moment. He plucked us out of the timeline of eternity. We could have been anywhere on earth at any point in time from in the beginning until a million years in the future. And he plucked you out of eternity to put you in this moment amidst all the chaos, all the confusion that's in the world to be a light for him to be a beacon for him of salvation. I'm gonna tell you, this is challenging, and it challenged me a lot. Um, whenever I finally got this revelation of, like, this isn't about me anymore. I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven. I've been healed, set free, delivered, and commissioned to go and spread his word. He talks about the missions that they go on. He goes on to talk about that in Revelations, the missions but sometimes we miss the greatest mission field that we have in this life. And that's reaching the lost and hurting people in our everyday lives. We're missing those people. And I got so guilty of this because I remember all the college classes that I sat through, all the friends that I had that, you know, I didn't know if they were saved. I never, I never had a conversation about my faith, nor was I living in that way. Um, but I wasn't. I was so focused on uh, God provide for me in the future, God provide for, for my next season that, that I forget what our actual mission is here on this earth, right? What our actual mission is. A light on the hill isn't just about um, a place where people gather anymore. It's not just about getting here on Sunday mornings. And I love this, we need church. We absolutely need church on Sunday mornings, but church is what happens from Monday to Saturday. A light on the hill is about living out the great commission in our lives every day. The Bible says that we are to be salt and light to those around us. What does salt do? It seasons, it improves. It improves what it encounters. And light brightens up dark places. We are called to be salt and light in our everyday lives, not just in here, not where we gather, but out there in the real world. How many of us know, I know I've thrown around the term Great Commission a little bit. How many of us know what the, what the Great Commission is? Uh, whenever I heard it, I was like, okay, I know, I know like what the verse is, um, but I didn't know that there was like an actual mission. Like it's, it's a mission. Like it's a life mission that Jesus sets us on. So um, the Great Commission is talked about in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is our challenge today. He says, therefore, go and make disciples 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, the Great Commission is about finding the lost and hurting people in our lives, and not just getting them saved, but, but, but living life with them building relationships and actually discipling people. You see, what does discipleship mean? Disciples, discipleship is, is come follow me while I follow him. And there are people in your lives today that need what you have, but we have to be taught that as well. Um, and it's not just, you know, I, I talk about it as if it's some far off, like, like this is happening, you know, in like Los Angeles or like this is, there's lost people in like, in like Florida. Like we know there's, there's places on the coasts and, and, and different places that we think about when we think of the lost people and it's like, oh, it's on Facebook and I see it all the time, whatever. But they're literally right underneath our noses. There, there are lost and hurting people in our everyday lives. And so this is, this is my challenge today for myself because I'm, I'm having to learn this as well as I go out and step into the world that we live in because it's not just, it's not just a bubble anymore. This week, this past week, we had a worship night at the college at Swasu. And, um, you know, I, I figured, you know, a, a bunch of people would come out and we would have worship um, and it'd be awesome and it'd be super cool. We were expecting, um, we were expectant and we wanted, we knew that there were going to be some people that were lost um, and maybe, you know, maybe get some people saved um, while we were there. But whenever I tell you that out of the 200 people that showed up on that campus, all of them, about, about 50% of them to 60% of them were athletes. 31 people raised their hand at the end for salvation. 31 people were saved on the spot. 24 people, we brought a baptism, and we baptized 24 people on the spot. I don't say that to brag. I say that to, because it opened my eyes. It, it was no longer about, uh, oh, I got to go to downtown Oklahoma City because that's where the lost people are. I have to go across seas because, you know, people in Africa haven't heard the great news. And I'm not taking anything away from any missions that are happening in the world today because there's a place and we need them. But the greatest tool that we have in our everyday lives are the people at our job, people at our school, the people in your family that, that you can reach out to. Um, you know, there's this quote, and this is gonna challenge you today because it, it challenged me. There's a quote that said, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I wanna run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Mm. So often we get caught up in our, in our Sunday to Sunday and we, we become... We become what I would call a consumer of the word because that's what I did forever. And that's what I, I still see myself doing sometimes where I, where I come on Sunday mornings and I consume and I, and I get filled up, but I'm just like the Dead Sea. You know, the Dead Sea has no exit point, no passage out of the Dead Sea. And you know what I know about the Dead Sea is there's no life there. It's all salt. And so until we pour out into other people's lives, we're just like the Dead Sea. You know, the Sea of Galilee was, the most, was one of the most pro prosperous places on, on the planet um, because it had something flowing into it, but there was something flowing out as well. Um, now stick with me because this will be, be challenging. Uh, I know I've said challenging a lot, but I just want your, I want your grace today because I'm dealing with the same thing. But if we're relying on church, if we're relying on the big C, church, to bring people in, we're missing it. 
I was listening to a pastor. He, his name is John Maxwell. He says that 53% of people in the world never step foot through the doors of a church, ever. 53% of people will never step th foot through the doors of the church, and they're right here. They're in our families. They're in our jobs. They're at our school. You see, I'm going to say this, and it, it's going to sound kind of strange, but stick with me. It, you, you see it online. You see it everywhere. I believe that we're living in somewhat of a post-church a post era, a post-Christian era, and it's not it's not great. Um, you go out into the world and you see confusion and chaos everywhere. But what I want to challenge you today is, is that it's not just an invite to church anymore. We have to go out and build relationships with people and tell them what Jesus has done for us. See, Jesus is, telling, Jesus is famous for telling us why, why things happen before he tells us how. If we go to the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about uh, why we pray before he tells us how to pray. If you know the Lord's Prayer, the, the, the intro to the Lord's Prayer is, is, is why we pray it. Um, if we talk about, whenever he talks about tithing, he tells us why we tithe before he tells us how. Here he does the same thing. He tells us why the doors are open, right? He tells us that the doors are open. Those doors of opportunity, that new job, why we're there is to share him with those around us. The door is open to us, not just for our provision. The door is open to us so that he can work through us for those in our lives. Now that we know why he opens doors to new opportunities in our lives, let's look at how we find those doors of opportunity because there are lost people everywhere, but how do we find those open doors? How do we find the lost and hurting people in our lives? And, and whenever I say it, it's gonna sound so simple and, and it's the same thing with me because I get so busy, but we have to constantly seek him and constantly seek them. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The heart of Jesus is that God is listening to us and cares so deeply about all of us, cares so deeply about you and knows every desire that you have and he wants to provide for you. And today, I challenge you to make, make that request known to God. I don't know if, if any of you were here for the prayer petition that we had at the beginning of this year, but um, that was a big thing for, for Brooke and I is we had to make our request known to God because he wants to spend that time with you. He wants to know about what you need. But today, I would challenge you to, to, to maybe pray today that God would send someone across your path that needs him. Again, we serve a God that wants to provide for us, but he also wants to provide for the lost people around you. Think about this today. What if our prayer petition looked like this? God, I thank you for what you've done. This is how I start a bunch of my prayers. Hey, thank you, God. I pray for the things in my life that I have need of, whatever that may be in your case. I pray that you would use me for your kingdom and that you would send someone my way that needs to know you, the real you. Not the you that they have some false image of, not the, not the church hurt that they had when they were little, not the, not the you that they were shunned from in a church way back in the past that, that because of their divorce, because of their hurt, because of something that went wrong, because of their church hurt, but the real you. What if you are someone's prayer petition? 
What if you are someone's answered prayer of petition? What if building a relationship with somebody is the prayer that they need answered today? What if God wants to use you, your faith, your strength, your story to provide peace, comfort, and most of all, salvation to people who need it? You know, I met a guy while I was running. Um, If you guys didn't know, I started running. Um, I'm kind of a psycho for it a little bit. Um, I ended up running a half marathon. I I trained for a month. Don't do that, please. Um, It's awful. (laughs) Um, But I would challenge you, get out and about. Um, You got to go live life, you know, whatever. Um, So I met a guy running one day. He was walking the other direction. You know, we passed passed him on the street a couple times. Um, Finally, I stopped and said, hey. I was like, okay, it's no coincidence that, like, we were running around the same block and just kept passing each other. I was like, I'm just going to turn around and just walk with you, dude. Um, So he was walking the other direction, passed him on the street a couple times. I stopped and said, hey, you know, I get to know this guy a little bit better and and just really start to build a personal relationship. Um, I see him a couple more times over the next week. You know, we we start running and walking about the same time. I get his number, and I, I invite him to our small group. But the way that I invited him was a little bit unique. Um, I invited him without, without sharing any of my faith. I was like, hey, like this is a men's group because what I didn't want to do was bring up any church hurt he had already had in the past, right? Um, so I said, hey, this is, this is a men's group where we get together and talk about life. And that's what we do on Tuesdays. We get together and we talk about life. Little did I know that was exactly what he needed. His brother His brother had committed suicide a month prior. He had started walking to work on his mental health. He was agnostic. He had church hurt in the past and had a father who didn't believe. And he had a mother that believed and prayed like heaven is real and hell is hot for someone to find him. He said, my mom would say this is an answered prayer, but I would look at this as a happy coincidence today. He said, I, just, I would just say this is coincidence that you walked into my life at this time. But through actually building a personal relationship and actually taking personal responsibility for him, for his salvation, I got to minister to him, and we all shared our story. He went from an agnostic to a saved believer in two weeks. Two weeks of small groups, we talked and we shared our story, and he accepted Christ holding my hands. And it wasn't through... Uh, it wasn't through a church invite that he would be saved. In fact, if I had even mentioned church prior to the first small group, I'm not sure that he would even have given it a chance because he doesn't know my God. He has this false perception that the world wants to build of who our God actually is because our God loves you so much. It was because I took responsibility to be salt and light for him, to be a friend first and to not judge him where he was at. Say this with me today. Say, God loves me. Turn to someone and say, God loves you. This is going to challenge you today. Turn to someone and say, God loves people who don't think like me. <laughs> and God loves people that I don't like. <laughs> Amen. That's where we get troubled a little bit, right? Because we live in a world. Think about this for a second. Because look at, Just look at the world. Just, just open up the Facebook app or open up... Turn on your TV for one second, and you will see a world that doesn't think like us, right? That doesn't think like this. And, and, and a lot of the times, I see a world that I don't like. Mm. But it wasn't about what I believed or what he believed or whether or not we agreed politically or anything. It was about 
someone that needed God and a willingness to be used as a vessel for him. You see, this is good. You got to get this. You with me? You see, God doesn't change people in order to accept them. He accepts them in order to change them. We don't need to get cleaned up to come to him. And just like that, the people in our lives that maybe you're like, man, they got no shot. Like, I, I would reach out to them, but I think they would just shut me down. He doesn't change their heart in order to accept them. He accepts them in order to change their heart. We have to have faith that he will put those people in our lives and give us opportunities to minister. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He calls us to have faith and believe who he says he is. How many of us know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Jesus didn't call us to invite people to the doors of our church. He called us to live out the Great Commission just like he did. He went out. He went out from where he was and made fishers of men, right? How many, how many people do I have that like to fish in here? I love to fish. Anybody else? A lot of people love, hey, hey, that's like the whole crowd. Love that. Love being back in Leedy. Um, <laughs> I love fishing. Okay, now, now, now think of this for a second. How many of you, you know, we, we went up and caught trout. Last time I went fishing, I jumped in the lake, and that wasn't very fun. I had to go after a pole. Didn't end up getting the pole. Just got really wet and really cold. Um, how many of you experienced fishermen? I will call you all experienced. How many of you clean the fish? before you catch them. Hmm. Am I right? Why would God do the same, right? We don't, have to, we don't have to get cleaned up before we go to him. We don't have to go find clean people that are, that are, that are needing him as the people who need him are the ones that are just as messed up as I was, right? right. Whenever we didn't have it figured out. Hmm. But what do we do in the meantime while we wait for those doors to be open to us? I believe the best thing that we can do in the meantime is focus on today. In Matthew 6, 34, God says, this is Jesus talking on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This isn't some divine permission to worry about today. Rather, what I think he's saying is that there are are plenty of things to do right now in the present. How many people... In your life today, can we, even, can we think of that, that need what we have? Think of those in your life that could just use a, use a text from you or a hug or a smile. How often do we miss what he can do through us because of what he's going to do for us? How often do we miss what he can do through us for others because of worrying what he's gonna do for us? So often I get so stressed about the trials and the tribulations of tomorrow, that I spend all my energy right there instead of acting in faith today, right? In the present, right now. You know, in Luke 12, 32, he says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. His kingdom is now, right? It's not some far off place in the distant future. He is eternal and present, and we either miss it or we choose to lay tomorrow's worries aside and find his kingdom and his righteousness right now. We choose to find those doors. We choose to find those people. So how did I lose my passion for the lost to begin with? Because I tell you, I was the worst. 
I'd go to class, I'd come here on Sunday mornings, I'd play, and, I, and I'd, you know, I was a consumer. How do we lose the passion for the lost and compassion to love them? We've left their world. The lack of passion I had for lost people was a direct result of the, lo- of the lack of con- contact I had with lost people. You see, Paul in Corinthians, Paul in Corinthians goes and talks about this. This is whenever he's going out into all the churches and preaching the word of God. In Corinthians 9, 19, verse 23, or 9, 19 through 23, he says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, demoralized. You could kind of sum up a lot of the world in those few words today. He said, whoever, but get this, he went as a servant. He went to serve those. And what was even more important is what he says after, I didn't take on their way of life. I didn't do what they did. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Think about someone who maybe has disagreed with you in the past. Whenever, this, is a, this has been a, a leadership challenge of mine um, in business is, is there, if there's people that disagree with me or if there's things that I disagree with someone else about, what I have to do is I have to think about things from, from their perspective, right? What if I didn't have, what if I didn't have a father who loved me like I could do no wrong. Maybe my perception of God would be a little bit different. I believe our perception of God is, is, is sometimes a direct result of how our relationship with our earthly father is. And if I didn't have a, a, a father that loved me in my home through, every, through anything and everything, I might have a skewed, a skewed version of God. He said, I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this all because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. If you would, just bow your head with me today. Just close your eyes, if you will. Something that Brooke and I have, have challenged ourselves on is we, we've picked out what we call prayer three. We've picked out what we've called a prayer of three. That prayer of three is just, is just three people that we know in our everyday lives that either aren't saved or need healing or deliverance. We started with 10 and then decided 10 was a lot to keep up with. So I just want to challenge you today to have three. Think of those that God will open the door for today. Think of those three people that are in your life already. Now do this for me. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, think of those that you haven't even met yet. What will their names be? What will their lives be like 
before and after meeting our God, meeting my Jesus through you? What will their grandkids' names be? What will their grandkids' lives be like? all the lives and their family that are touched just because one person had the courage to step out in faith. Think about their prayers. God, I thank you that my grandma or grandpa had the faith to follow you and build our family around that. And Father, I thank you for that person that stopped at my daddy's work, at my mom's work, and told them about you. What would their lives be like? Because you had the faith to take responsibility for one person. How many names? How many names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of the door? that you decided to walk through. You can open your eyes today. Whenever I get to heaven, I wanna bring everybody with me. There's a quote that says, when I enter that beautiful city, far removed from earth's sorrow and care, I wanna hear somebody say, it was you who invited me here. When I enter that beautiful city, far removed from earth's sorrow and care, I want to hear somebody saying, it was you who invited me here. So I just pray today because I don't have enough motivation in my body. I don't have the right words to say, but I pray that the Holy Spirit, that God would just break your heart for the lost. Father God, I just pray. I just thank you for all that you've already done in my life. I just thank you for the peace that you've given me. I just thank you for the strength and the faith that you've given me. I just pray that you would allow me to be used as a vessel today to further your kingdom. You know, maybe the first door you need to walk through today is him, the door of salvation. Or maybe you've accepted him a long time ago and want to rebuild your life his way and recommit to him. You see, the gospel's easy. The gospel's easy to share with people. There's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short whether you've lied, stolen, cheated, even had hate in your heart, we've all fallen short of perfection. And we have a just God that demands perfection. You may, say, you may be saying, Luke, how can I serve a God that, that, that sends someone to hell? God's never sent anybody to hell. In fact, he bankrupt heaven by sending Jesus, his only son, to take our place. 
to be our sin and to stand in the gap for us. And all salvation is, is, is just saying, God, I recognize that I've fallen short. And I'm going to allow you to be the punishment for my sins today. So whether it's your first time or your last time, I'm not going to do anything weird. I just, just want you to raise your hand on the count of three so we know who you are and, and can pray with you. So on the count of three, if you would, raise your hand. One, two, three. Don't miss this moment. If you all would, just repeat this after me. God, I need you. I can't do this life alone. I'm tired of doing it my way. And I'm ready to build it your way. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. I accept you as my Savior. From this day forward, I will live my life for you and choose to build on your foundation. I trust you to open the door of opportunity and pour out blessings in my life. Amen. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer today, I just want to recognize you into the kingdom of heaven today you know God God's just waiting for for us to us to take one step back towards him and he's taking the 99 back towards us amen I'm so thankful that you guys gave me the opportunity to share with you today I just pray that it came across the way I wanted it to and that you guys learned a little bit of what my heart's been like for the last last few months. Hey, let me tell you. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you will, just stand up with me. Do you have the blessing in numbers? Do you know what passage that is? I think it is. Sweet. Six twenty-four. Amen. This is the high priestly blessing. The Lord said this unto Moses. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. You guys are good to go. Enjoy lunch today. Hope I didn't keep you too long. Um, I'm going to be back there if anyone wants to talk or um, if there's anybody that raised their hand for the first time that needs someone to reach out to, I'll be back there to talk a little bit. Thank you, guys.